everybody. Good morning. It is time for Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips and senior writer Scott Smith here. And it is just a day away from the NFL draft. We have been talking about it for months and we will finally know who some of those new Buccaneers players are. So I know there's going to be tons going on. I know you guys probably have lots of questions for us. So if you have a question for us, make sure you find us on the Facebook page. You can leave your question in the comment section under that. So for now, while we give people a chance to start doing that, we figured we'd start with some of the news that uh, I know Vita Vea signed his uh, fifth year extension. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on that choice and, and what that means bringing him back for that extra year. Yeah, to be clear, that's a team choice. So all first round picks since the 2011 CBA and then repeated again in this most recent CBA, uh, the structure of all first round picks is a four, run, four year contract with a team fifth year option. Uh, and that does involve a large salary increase, certainly probably not what a good player will get in his second contract, but still a nice bump compared to the rest of their rookie years. And um, it's also guaranteed since the 2020 CBA. It wasn't previously except for injury. And you have to do it between, you have to make the decision between the third and fourth season of the player's career. So the deadline this year was May 3rd. There was never any doubt that the Bucks were going to do this because Vita Vea is a really, really good player. And even at the advanced salary from in his fifth year in 2022, still will be a bargain. So um, uh, it, was, it was well known it was going to happen. It just basically was getting some business done. And uh, we also got a press conference from Jason Light, his pre-draft press conference. Now, you know, it's not going to be in his you know best interest to be giving secrets away and divulging a whole lot. So by listening and maybe reading between the lines and trying to gather some info there, what do you think some things were that we got out of that? Yeah, GMs are not trying to give away any strategy uh, in those. Every, every one of them probably does one of those the week before the draft. Um, Jason does it every year. And he's... You know, he's good. He gives good answers, but he, uh, as he should, he's not giving away specifics of Bucks strategy. Uh, we all know that the Bucks, with so many of their needs taken care of already in free agency, bringing all those players back, that they can go in any direction they want. I think a couple of interesting notes from what he said, and it confirms what some other analysts have said, is that this isn't the deepest draft ever. That's true both in terms of real blue chip prospects in the first round and then just basically the depth of prospects for the entire draft that you think can be real NFL players. So, um, you know, it might be a draft where you get a little aggressive and use some of your draft capital to improve some of the other draft capital, because, you know, how many good players can you get and how many good players can make it to 32? So Jason says that he's always happy or he, whenever the Bucks have picked high, like 15th or 7th, whenever the draft first round is ending, he's wishing he had another pick around 32 because there's always a guy that he wants there. So in this case, it's happy that the Bucks are picking 32 because it means we won the Super Bowl. And if it's like any other year, there should be some players there that he really likes, that the team really likes. Um, Daniel had said uh, linebacker depth may be an area to look at. Do you think this draft will be more of a defensive draft for the Bucks? Yeah, yeah, especially I think in the early going, um, and I think that works in the Bucks' favor because this is probably going to be an historically tilted to offense first round. The most first round picks on the offense side of the ball that have ever gone are 19 in one year, and just from all the mock drafts that you look at, you can see the league shooting by 19 pretty easily, which means a lot of the better defensive prospects are going to be falling a little bit to the second half of the draft. And since the Bucks are 
you know, picking for wants rather than needs or, or hitting some spots that they could help a couple couple years down the road or finding some depth right now. I think that does make most sense on the defense, you know, edge rusher, uh, interior defensive lineman, uh, off ball linebacker, all those spots have very, very good players on the front line and, you know, not a ton of depth. So it makes sense for all those spots. And I don't know if you'd take an off ball linebacker, with that 32nd pick, I mean, you could, of course, but you're probably not going to play him very much because you're really not going to take Devin White and Levante David off the field. Whereas if you take an edge rusher or a down lineman, they can work them into the rotation, even though we already have good players there. And then on the offensive side of things, we had had Dave asked, do you think there's a chance we could get Justin Fields? And um, Kurt had brought up the need for quarterback depth. So the idea of what, what are the odds that a quarterback could be joining the team via the draft? And if so, where in the draft might that be most likely to happen? Yeah, this Justin Fields one is, is a funny question. I got the exact same question for a written mailbag for tomorrow. And I mean, I, I know that Justin Fields seems to be slipping in the mock drafts, uh, but I just, I cannot see a scenario where he falls all the way out of the first round or 232. I mean, it's not like there's some giant red flag. It's just people starting to assess maybe he's, you know, maybe they don't like the specific way that he throws or things like that. Um, But this is still a really talented guy that, frankly, is in the conversation for the third pick in the draft. We don't know for sure that San Francisco isn't going to take him. I I know recent reports have seemed to peg them choosing between Mac Jones and Trey Lance, but I don't think that's a sure thing. Uh, I just, even if he's, a Justin Fields slide to me would be, a dramatic one would be like 15 to New England to me. And I, I, don't, I can't see him going to 32. As for the Bucks taking a developmental quarterback, um, I think they would like to. I don't think there's a ton of them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the only two guys that seem almost certain to go on day two, which is rounds two and three, are Davis Mills and Kyle Trask. And even if you like those guys, there's no guarantee that you're the team that's going to get them. So uh, it probably might, you'd probably have to take them with the sec- last pick of the second round to be sure to get one of them. And even then, it's not a sure thing. So uh, I think the Bucks would like to get one. Doesn't mean it's necessarily going to line up the way they want it to. Uh, Richard had asked, can you see uh, OJ Howard or Cam B- uh, Bray being traded because of salary cap reasons? And he brought up, he's like, I, I don't think any other team pays three tight ends so much. <laughs> yeah, I think he's right about that. Cause I think uh, Bray and Howard and Gronk all are making between six and 9 million per year this year, at least um, that is, Unusual, but they are right now on the team under the cap. Uh, now, there's going to have to be some moves made to create some cap space. Uh, we certainly believe there's a signing on the horizon, and then you have to pay for your uh, draft picks. So there do have to be some moves. I think the Buccaneers would like to continue to do what they have been doing to create cap space, space which is re- restructure contracts. I don't think they want to get rid of anybody from the Super Bowl team. They've certainly shown that through their free agency moves to get all those guys back. It's possible. It's possible. But we we face these same questions week after week after week last offseason, and they went into the, the season with all three of them. So uh, that would be what I would suspect. Now, of course, the difference this time is O.J. Howard in the fifth year of his rookie contract, his salary goes up quite a bit. That's the main difference. But I think they're inclined to make it work. Okay. And Jack had asked, what is our kick or punt return specialist situation so as we stand right now with the team what are some of the options you think and then is that something that will make a difference in a guy that the bucks decide to draft or drafting certain positions over others 
Well, Jaden Minkins is still on the roster, so I guess he'd get the first crack at it. Um, I do think that if there were a player the Bucks liked that also gave you returnability, that would be a good reason to take him, especially when you're in this position to take sort of luxury picks. So I know Florida Gator fans would love for that to be Kadarius Tony. Wouldn't bother me either at pick number 32. Um, I got to believe there's a good chance there'll be some competition brought in for Jaden Mickens there, but that's still a little bit unknown at the moment. Okay, well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. And again, this is our final show before the draft, which is tomorrow night. But we are doing a live show right before the draft starts. So make sure you tune into that. We'll be breaking down the Bucks season overall, some of the potential draft picks and needs. So if you are a person that is all about the draft coverage, make sure you tune into Buccaneers.com with us. Tomorrow night, we'll be broadcasting live from the pirate ship, which is going to be great. So we hope to see you guys then. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.